Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Okay, how are we doing today, guys? <clears throat> oh, glad to hear it. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, man. Frog in my throat. Isn't that great to hear? Isn't it great to hear kids, little kids' voices in here? I love it. Oh man, it just gets me so stoked. Just get just to just to hear freshness, the the youth, you know. And this is how we need to raise them, um, right here. So, a couple things about me. Uh, first of all, my name is Robert. My last name is uh, well starts with an O, because we're going to go with the anonymity thing today. And uh, I'm a member of this church. Uh, and uh, let's just start with this. Uh, I want to start to just be be clear, and what the message is going to be about. It's going to be about powerlessness, okay? And a little bit about me. I, uh, again, my name is Robert. I am a child of God. I'm also a recovering alcoholic. Um, I come here, stand before you, saying that I've broken, but not shattered. You know, we're all broken in some way. So I'm going to ask you if we can start with just, uh, I'm going to share what we use in recovery, uh, which is called the serenity prayer. I'm going to ask if we can all just share this together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now that, that prayer is used a lot in recovery. It's amazing how that prayer can be used in real life, just in every day. And I, I had to write this down because it really meant a lot to me. The power of that prayer is overwhelming to me. There are times when I get stuck reciting it. But when I look at each section, I find the answer to my problem. By accepting life as it is, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I gain serenity by taking action, courage to change the things I can. I gain courage, and I thank the God for the ability to distinguish between those situations I can work on and those I must turn over to God and the wisdom to know the difference. Isn't that amazing how that one little thing in A-A-N-A-C-A um, any type of Amazon, Amazon Anonymous, just kidding, I didn't know if that was out there, <laughs> or, or Marvel Comics Anonymous, maybe, DC Comics Anonymous, pastor's not paying any attention, that's okay, uh, no problem, but uh, a little bit about me, um, <clears throat> I'm married 34 years, very blessed to have a wife that has put up with my mistakes over these years. Um, I have two children. My son just celebrated his 34th birthday. 34, am I right? 33. See, swing and a miss. Uh, that's okay. 33 years. He's, uh, and my daughter's 30. Am I get that one right? I got one right. Okay. 50-50. I'll take that knowledge. Um, very blessed. I was saved in 1995. And, um, and uh, Pastor Pete Giacalone was the, the gentleman that, that, that showed me the way to, Lord, to the Lord. Since that time, I've had so many, so many falls, so many falls from grace. We're all humans. We all make mistakes. And, you know, and that's one thing that people, they look at us and they think, 
Christians are supposed to be way up here, you know, and man, I am so not. I, I got to my bottom how many different times I thought to myself, I am not going to do this again. But you know what? The enemy is just right there poking us, isn't he? Isn't he out there just wanting us to make mistakes? He, in, in recovery, they tell us that your addiction is doing push-ups in the parking lot, just being patient. And that's what the enemy is. The enemy's patient. People will say to me, when I was in, re in rehab, which I just got out of rehab again, um, that how can you be uh, a child of God and still be, have these addictions? How can you be a chaplain for a motorcycle ministry and still have these problems? And they come, then they come to realize that I'm just a man. This is just a vest. This is just, you know, God is blessing me to be able to share what I've gone through, to be able to go and let people know things that I've picked up. Have I got all the answers? Absolutely not. I would be thankful if I did, but you know what? None of us know. Only one person does, and we know who that is, Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> today's message is going to be on powerlessness. And uh, something I just, want, I just wanted to share before I get into the message was <clears throat> people in recovery, in life, view sin like there's buildings, like every sin has a different value. But it really doesn't because God's above us looking down. All sin's the same. You know, are there worse consequences for sin? Absolutely. When it comes to the carnal mind, when it comes to being on, on this earth, murder versus lying, whole different animal. But in God's view, it's all sin. So at this point, all we can do is just continue to make things better. It's progress, not perfection. So, <clears throat> again, my name is Robert O. I'm a child of God, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. I like to share this message of powerlessness, and I like to share with you how the 12 steps of recovery actually are great 12 steps of life themselves. <clears throat> I'm going to focus on step one. This is not going to be an AA meeting. This is not going to be an NA meeting. This is, I'm going to show you some places in the Old Testament that people were dealing with powerlessness, just like we deal with every day. So um, the first step is, is actually step one. We admitted we are powerless over our problems or our addictions, that our lives have become unmanageable. Now, <clears throat> whether we're addicted to caffeine Cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, comic books, got his attention this time. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Anything that takes our, our view, our eyesight off of God is something that's in our way, in our path. So I'm going to share with you a little bit about, about this, uh, this thing we call addiction. The, the 12 steps are based on a philosophy that... Um, um, Dr. Bob wrote in 19, I believe it was 1934, it's been around for years, to be able to try and help people speak to other people and be able to get through their addiction. And this step one, admitting our, we're powerless over whatever is powering or keeping us, is, is if we don't admit it, we're never going to get it right. And I, I admit it so many times. 
My daughter's so smart. She said to me one time, Daddy, you know, because I've gone to rehab four times. Am I proud of it? No. But every time I got something better out of it, something more out of it, to be able to see what the piece of the puzzle is to try and keep me from going down that path again. And my daughter said to me, Daddy, sometimes it takes bigger ships longer to turn. That was so profound to me because never really thought of it that way. I never really thought that, you know, you got to get a little piece, a little piece of the puzzle, you know. When we're making a puzzle, what do we do usually? We dump the puzzle out. We sit the picture down. We start get all the square pieces out, and we put them around on the table. Am I right? That's what I do. You know, we don't start with the middle parts as much as, you know, because that's, that's harder. But what if somebody took and took all those square pieces out around the outside, out of the box, before you started? You wouldn't know where to start. Let's go one step further. What if they took the picture off the box and you didn't know what it was supposed to look like? You know, we, going through life, don't know what the picture of tomorrow is going to be like. We try to find some type of foundation around the puzzle to be able to get through today, get through tomorrow. And living one day at a time, one minute at a time, one second at a time sometimes is the only way some people, all of us maybe, have to go. So what can we do? We can sit back and not be so hard on ourselves. I'm absolutely hard on myself because I beat myself up. Why did I do that again? Well, you know what? I did. Accept it, own it. I've been blessed by this church family here, Crossroads Community Church. Every time I've screwed up, they've welcomed me back with open arms. And I'm so blessed. So blessed. This is what family is. There are people out there that don't have that. Um, all we can do is continue to pray for them, to bring them in. If anybody knows anyone that, would, that needs a church family that is going to welcome you to come as you are, this is the church family for you. If you can only see us online, people online, that's awesome. Please. Again, we are here for you. <clears throat> so today's message is biblically based on step one, being, okay, being powerless over our problem or our addiction. And as I mentioned, of different, different types of addictions. But let's first start with some definitions. Pretty easy to understand. Um, powerless is defined by the lack of ability, influence, or power. Lack of ability or influence or power to be powerless over something. The word unmanageability is defined by something that is difficult or impossible to manage, manipulate, or control. So... Getting those two pieces of foundation, we're going to talk about step one, and I'm going to share with you a message that comes from Genesis uh, uh, chapter 16, verses 1 through 11. So if you have your Bibles, or if you'd like to follow along on, on the screen, feel free to do so as well. And uh, again, that's uh, Genesis 16, 1 through 11. Now, I am using uh, the contemporary English version. It's a lot easier for me to read, um, but I also go through, I, I like using New King James as well. Um, so, you know, sometimes we're powerless because of our position in life. You know, whether, whether we're the low man on the totem pole, you know, we don't have any say in situations, um, or we're people that have power over us. 
uh, we may feel trapped because of the demands of other people, you know. It's a double-edged sword. You please one person, you're going to disappoint another. So we try, we try to find a happy medium. Does it always happen? To me, rarely. But we do the best we can. <clears throat> so again, that message, this message is going from chapter 16, verses 1 through 11. Not real, not real long. <clears throat> and this is the message where Hagar and Ishmael, Ishmael um, where uh, uh, Sari, which is uh, Hag- uh, Ish- Abram's wife, uh, goes and, and gives his, the maidservant to, uh, to Abram to, have, to conceive a child. And it goes as this. Abraham's wife, Sari, and I keep saying Sari, I think it's Sari. <clears throat> Sari had not been able to have any children, but she owned a young Egyptian slave woman named Hagar. And, <clears throat> and Sari, uh, uh, Sari said to Abram, The Lord has not given me any children, so sleep, uh, sleep with my slave, and if she gives you a child, it will be mine. Abram said. Abram agreed, and Sari gave him gave him to Hagar to be his wife. This happened after Abram had lived in the land of Canaan for ten years. Later, when then Hagar knew that she was going to have a baby, she became proud and hateful to Sari. That was the 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 um, Egyptian girl became hateful to Sari. Then Sari, the wife of Abram, said, uh, said "It's all your fault." I gave you my slave woman, but she, she has been hateful to me ever since she found out she was pregnant. You have, you have done me wrong, and you, have, you, you will have to answer to this to the Lord. Abram said, all right, she's your slave. Do as, it, like you, as you want. And, but so Sari became um, treating Hagar very, very harshly, and, she, and Hagar ran away. Hagar stopped. And, and to rest at the, at the spring in the desert on the road to Shur. While she was there, an angel of the Lord came to her and asked, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm running away. Sari, my owner, from my Sari, my owner. The angel said, go back to Sari and be her slave. I will give you a son who will be named Ishmael. And because I have heard your cry... Uh, for help, and later I will give you many descendants that will that cannot be numbered by count. Now, you know Hagar is a picture of powerlessness. She had no power, right? She was just a little slave girl doing what doing what she was told. She had no rights. Um, in this passage, Sari was upset that she couldn't bear children. You know, so Sari gave Hagar to Abram as a surrogate. And Hagar did, did get pregnant as, she, as Sari wanted, but Sari got jealous. Alone in the wilderness, as we mentioned, uh, the angel of the Lord came to her and was able to, to let her know why she was, why she was being used. And uh, so powerlessness goes all the way back to the Old Testament. You know, I mean, it's not like we've got the corner on the market here, 21st century. 21st century? Yeah, that's what we are. All right. So... You know, let's think about it. When we're caught in no-win situations, it's tempting to run away from our, uh, through our addictive or compulsive behaviors. A lot of times that's personally what I was doing. I was running away and not accepting what was going on in front of me. 
At times like these, God is there, and He is listening. Sometimes we don't believe it, but He absolutely is. We need to express our pain to God instead of trying to escape it and handle it on our own. He hears our cries. We need to take our prayers, guys, and we need to lay them at, our feet, at His feet and leave them alone. We're not going to pick them up again. If we pick them up again, that's telling God that we can do this alone, and we absolutely can't do this alone. I know I can't. So I want to share another story with you uh, that's showing powerlessness. And this one I'm going to title, uh, I titled Danger of Self-Deception. This one's in Judges 16, 1 through 22. This is the story of Samson and Delilah. Now, now I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go through and pull this up. It's a, it's a very, very long passage. But I'm just going to paraphrase for you um, because we are getting, getting long on time. But, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that, guys. So Samson, as we know, was one of Israel's judges. As a child, Samson dedicated, was dedicated to God, and God gifted him with amazing strength. But Samson had a lifelong weakness that nobody but Samson knew. The way he re reacted to women, which sounds like an addiction to me. You know, his weakness for his strength is different. We'll see that later. Samson was, was, was especially blinded by the dangers he faced with his relationship with Delilah. Samson's enemies were paying Delilah to try and find out what made him so strong. Remember, he's a judge. They're trying to get, trying to find out what, what you know, because he was able to control a lot. So they sent Delilah three times to try and get this answer from him, try to find out. And he lied to her three different times and escaped before his enemies could come on to him to take him away. On the fourth time, he gave up. He couldn't hold it anymore. He absolutely told her what happened. Why, if he has his hair cut, never had his hair cut. If he has it cut, he'll lose his strength. What ended up happening? His enemies. They kidnapped him. They cut his hair. He woke up. Well, he fell asleep on Delilah's lap. He, they cut his hair. He woke up, and they put him in prison, and he died in prison. You know? So let's think about Samson. His real, his real problem was he lied to himself. Self-deception. By not admitting he is powerless over the, the woos of women, he remained blinded to the obvious danger that his pride was holding him, on, holding him down and what beautiful women would do for him. This caused him to gradually inch away from God into his untimely death, as I mentioned, in jail. You know, we as Christians need to be careful not to fall into the similar trap. We learn to acknowledge our powerlessness over our addictive and compulsive tendencies. We will become more aware of our behaviors that will likely lead to our destruction. In recovery, we use the big book as a guide to recovery, teaching us how to work through the 12 steps of addiction. Just like Christians use the Bible. You know, Bible is a blueprint of how to get through life. If we open it up and just listen, 
You know, it's it's amazing. You know, and uh, um, let me see if I can get this. Oh no, what I do, Pastor Floyd? Help me out. All right, sorry, kids. I sorry, guys. Technology is not my friend. Laurie, don't you know a good joke? Sorry. I know. Not a time or place. I shouldn't have done this, Pastor. Sorry, guys. Here we go. So, <laughs> how did I do that? All right. I'm, I'm not even messing with this. In rehab, they, 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 they explain God as good, orderly direction. You know, and, and instead of trying to there's a lot of people that's hurt, been hurt by, hurt by church, hurt by a pastor, hurt by just uh, religion, you know. So at this point, which really helped me understand to the newcomer why they were wondering why I couldn't. How could I be a man of God and still be an, an alcoholic? And um, so, you know, what's the two common denominator of these two stories, guys? You know, to me, it's ask God for help. As I mentioned, there is, leave your prayer at his feet and don't pick him back up. Wait for his response. Lose our pride, ask for help. This is a humbling experience. It absolutely is for me. But it's necessary for growth that God's blessed us with. Sorry, guys. So, something I want to share with you. This Two Bibles, both New King James Version. One's beat up, one's tattered, one's brand new, fresh, clean. Is this, is this Bible less worthy or less important or have less information than this one? Is this one here higher value than this one here because it's beat up? To me, it's not. This one shows the scars. This shows the scars that we've been through, and that's what scars are. Scars remind us of where we've been, and that's what they do for me. You know, I, uh, we were talking in, in rehab about what can be done to try and remember the things we've done wrong to not do them again. And I've got pictures of things that I've done to myself, how I've messed up my face by falling, blood, black and blue, Oh, and I'm going to put them inside my, my rearview mirror. I'm sorry, my, my, my visor. So anytime that I, I'm driving down the road and if I get that tension or that thought of wanting to drink, I'm going to flip that down and remember the pain. Remember the pain because you know what? I don't want to be there. I'm not where I was, but I'm absolutely not where I'm going. That's why God made the windshield of our car so big. And our rearview mirror is so small. So we got to remember where we've been. But if we focus on that rearview mirror and where we've been, what are we going to do? We're going to crash. We're going to put that car into somebody or hurt somebody or hurt ourselves. God is not finished with us. Anybody's here. Anyone that's here watching, anyone here that's in this room, if you're sitting here, there is a purpose. There is something that we're, gonna be, we're here to do. Now, in the back, I left back there. How many people, I don't know if they can see these online, had these little army men as kids. Well, when I go down to the, to the north side and I help 
with a, a program called Mission from Mars. We sit these out there, and we ask the people coming through the line to take one. And when you go home, and when you say your prayers, because they do pray, homeless people pray, everybody should pray, think about the people that are fighting for our country. Sit this on your desk, sit this wherever, Some, something to make you remind you, because you know what, with all that's going on in the world, we need a little bit of something to remember why we have the freedoms to sit in this room. We escaped a world of tyranny in England to have freedom here. And I think our, our, our society is forgetting that. So guys, I absolutely want to take this time to thank you for allowing me to speak. Um, I'm a work in progress. It is absolutely progress, not perfection. You know, we need to look at the similarities of each other, not the differences, because that's what binds us all up, binds me up. You know, I pick it out. So I want to take this time. I want to thank you for giving me the time. I want to say God bless you to every one of you. My name is Robert Oaks. I'm a child of God. I'm a recovering alcoholic, and I thank you for your time. God bless you. Thanks so I'm going to ask you guys to stand, and we're going to end. Uh, we're going to sing that song again about my Jesus because it really talks about the fact of what Jesus can do. It doesn't matter whether you're a recovering alcoholic or a struggling comic book addicted pastor. My man. My <laughs> uh, man. Uh, God is still able to work a wonder-working power in your life. So... Um, as you think about everything that Robert just said, uh, also consider the fact that um, there are probably people in your circles of influence who struggle with things that you have no idea about, things that you probably never even thought about. But the same God who is working in Robert is the same God is working in the person who has no addictions, is the same God who's working in the person struggling with drugs, is the same God working in the person struggling with lying, cheating, stealing, and is the same God who loves us all and is able to provide freedom for us all. And think about that person in your life uh, who, who may be dealing with some type of issue in their life and just know that God loves them as much as he loves you. So God, as we sing this next song, we pray that you would bring to mind people in our circles of influence who may be struggling with addiction, struggling with hardship, struggling with some type of issue in their life. We also pray that you would give us the eyes to see them the way that you do, which is worthy of being loved. Just like us, just like Robert, just like every person whom you shed your blood for. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage, crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com, or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.